0: Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I want to direct your attention now to the last two verses, and then we're going to say goodbye to James 2. We've been in it for a long time. It has just really disturbed my spiritual walk in a good way. This message today is one that I pray becomes so clear until it puts more fuel on the fire of loving Jesus and serving Jesus. Today I'm going to talk through this passage using the very persons that are talked about in this passage to make real to us a big theological word. And it's the word justification. And if we can live out what it means to be justified, then our motivation to serve our community and the world will never be guilt. What you will write down in your pledge on December the 6th will not come out of hearing stories of people that are desperate and so it made you feel guilty because of the blessings you have. But what we do in word and deed will come out of the grace we have received. The act of faith that James talks about in chapter 2 is followed up by by such merciful living because we realize we're recipients of incredible mercy. And so it becomes the natural overflow of a life redeemed. So let's see, James chapter 2, starting at verse 25. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. Another example of what? Well, remember the theme of chapter 2 is faith without works is dead. So he's going to use her as an example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. From verse 14 to verse 25, James does everything a person could possibly do to communicate his point. Like a lawyer presenting his case that is airtight, it is so clear. That's what he's done here. We can't leave chapter 2 without knowing that if we declare we have faith and yet have no works, then we have a faith that is ineffective, that is not going to help anyone, and we should even pause and say, wait a minute, do I really have faith? Faith is with action. Action not being the basis of our faith, not being the basis or necessary for salvation, but it is the necessary evidence of salvation. Something that will keep us from ever being lukewarm or religious or inactive. We've used Joseph to try and help us see that with the world at its worst, he was at his best, meaning he had an active faith when it was needed most. That being a picture of the church, let's take another picture. James, a New Testament writer, borrows from the story of an Old Testament prostitute. What is he doing? He has just talked about Abraham. Now we might understand that because Abraham was that great patriarch of the Jewish nation. And here is a a woman who is a prostitute in a Gentile nation. Abraham was this man of highest social order. This woman was a prostitute of the lowest social order. So to just launch right into the sermon, we would see that Rahab, whose story is in Joshua 2, it's Joshua about to lead the people to take the promised land, and they first have to take Jericho, the first city, the city where Rahab lived, where spies were sent to check once again so that entry points and strategy could be clarified. This prostitute is willing to hide these spies so that they can be on their reconnaissance mission and return with the information. And in harboring these spies, she questions them and hears once again about the God who parted the Red Sea, a God who struck fear within the heart's, of all the people of Jericho, and in her heart. And it was such a powerful exchange of their words about God that she says in Joshua 2.11, The Lord, He is God. And when she put her belief in God, something happened in her heart, and it shows up in the way she then lived her life, showing us James' message of faith and action. James uses Rahab because she is a picture of shocking, jaw-dropping grace. He shows us that we have a God who will look beyond the deepest sin and then make provision for the deepest sin so that our life could be cleansed, changed, and set on a different course. See, the good news today is Is that we have a God who has stepped up strong in dealing with the filthiest sin. Offering redemption to all of us so that we could be brought into the family of God. If Rahab could be brought into the family of God, you can be brought into the family of God. And we're not only brought into the family of God, we're made heirs of the kingdom of God. How does that happen unless... We understand justification. Rahab is labeled. She's a Canaanite, which means she's on the enemy's side. She pursues many false gods. She is a prostitute where she is labeled by that lifestyle six times in the book of Joshua. And yet, when you see the rescue that happened of her life, it is so dramatic that she ends up changed and then risking her life for the cause of the kingdom of God. The spy said to her, look, you have safely harbored us and because of your belief in God, you will be saved, but you're going to need to hang this scarlet cord in your window. When we come charging into Jericho and however these walls are going to come down, You and anyone within your house will be saved if this scarlet cord is displayed in the window. That could be a sermon in and of itself because it is a type of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has the power to deliver. So when the walls of Jericho start falling down because this scarlet cord is hanging from her window, it is a type of the gift of God, of the blood of Jesus that is going to be shed for all mankind, she is delivered. And not only is she delivered, she is counted worthy to be a useful part of the kingdom's advance. And so now, this lady will turn and risk her life. The reason, because if the king of Jericho knew she was harboring spies, she would be executed for treason. Why would she do that? Because the Bible says she believed God. She believed. Why would Abraham that James talks about just before he mentions Rahab, why would he go to Mount Moriah to offer his son Isaac? Because he believed God. And what we learn is that when we believe God, which means to put our faith in God, that we follow it with action that has no reservation or hesitation. Let me give you a a picture of the kind of church God wants us to be. The kind of church that would put our faith in God and then respond to his word without reservation or without hesitation. Yes, we will see the risk and the risk will always be measurable and often huge. But because we believe God, we would be found risking Without reservation or hesitation like Abraham when he offered Isaac, like Rahab when she harbored the spies, knowing if she was caught, it would mean her life. We see the the power of justification that can break the label that has followed us because of the past life. We see that we not only have that label broken, but then we are released to a new life. A life of great and incredible Influence to where, when you read the New Testament, not only in James as Rahab talked about, but when you get over to the writer of Hebrews in chapter eleven, where it lists like the the Hall of Fame, Rahab is mentioned. When you go to Matthew chapter one, you find that Rahab becomes the great 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 grandmother of Jesus Christ. Now that's amazing. That is incredible. That here this harlot, labeled by her prostitution, labeled by her evil lifestyle, this Canaanite who followed false gods and was on the enemy's side. When she believed in God and put her trust in God, she was not only justified and brought into the family of God, she was then led on to a life of such purpose that she ends up in the lineage of Jesus himself. That's why Peter wrote, we should show forth the praises of Him because it's Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's the grace of God. It's the gift of God. It's the blessing of God. I mean, here was Rahab labeled the prostitute, the sexual sinner, the used up. Who would marry her? And yet, here comes a man, a faithful man, by the name of Salmon, who marries her and is faithful to her, and they end up in the very lineage of Jesus. Now there, and we're going to break it down, is a picture of justification. James uses Rahab to show that when she put her faith in God, it was imputed righteousness, it was the gift of God, but then that faith in God led her to a life that says I'm yours and I'll do whatever I possibly can for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's the way it should be with every one of us who are saved. We understand it's by grace and grace alone. And when we put our faith in the grace of God, we are saved, we are justified just as if we never had past sin. Isn't that amazing? declared righteous, and because of that overwhelming grace, we sit here today saying, Lord, I am yours. I am yours with everything that I have. I am yours with my time. I'm yours with my gifts and talents. I'm yours with my money. And so when we come to December the 6th, and we pledge to the community and to the world, we're not going to look at all of the huge risks. We're going to look at the opportunity, and without reservation and without hesitation, we're going to do whatever we possibly can to see the advance of the kingdom, not because we feel guilty, but because we realize we have been justified. This is Rahab, by the grace of God. What is What is the... The whole idea of GL 2010, it's just simply to minister to the world and minister to the community. Let me show you a picture on the screen. This is is the best part of a shanty town like I saw when I was in Africa. And, And I've got to help you understand the two worlds in which I was in between on that day. I had come from America where I lived in a home that had a nice sofa. I was staying in a hotel in Nairobi, which was one of the nicer hotels. It wouldn't be a five-star hotel like we see, but it was one of the nicer ones in Nairobi. And there were sofas in the lobby similar to this. I walked out to the back of the hotel, and I saw that that the grass led up to an edge like a cliff. And when I walked to the edge, I looked over... And I saw what's called a shantytown where 300,000 plus people live in boxes, basically are homeless. It is like an AIDS infested village out of which early in the morning you you watch people of all ages start walking out of this village. As I have thought about that and thought about today... I want to remind us that what we're trying to do in the GL 2010 is to minister globally to the tens of thousands who live in those conditions. And to remember there are people who live in places like that where the drinking water isn't safe and the medicine that's available to us is not available to them. And they're dying some of diseases that could be prevented. And so we want to give ourselves to an effort that's going right into the heart of Shanty towns like those to present the message of the scarlet cord. The message of justification. The message that says no matter what has been in your past, the same God that has forgiven people like Rahab and people like us can forgive you and we, we minister to the urgent spiritual need of salvation around the world. And then to The tens of thousands in this region that sit on nice sofas like this that'll never know anything like the picture that you see, but yet are in the same urgent spiritual condition. They are not right before God. And the message of the scarlet cord must make it from the shanty town to the sofas of the homes of this community. Amen? And so we have a passion to bring the message of the scarlet cord to both. So we're calling it global, local. We're calling it global because we can minister through 77 missionary servants of God that we are partnering with. Global because we're going to go to a village in Ghana, a city in Mexico, and a reservation in Arizona. And we're going to minister the love of God and build churches and put in water wells and allow the Lord to use us in the global mission. We're going to do more than we have ever done to go across the street to those who have living conditions just like you. But yet, it has simply insulated them from their awareness of their need of God. They can insulate it and and create pharmacies to try and soothe that vacuum, that, that, that gaping need within the heart of all humanity with stuff. We're going to take the scarlet cord strategically. So that people from the sofa to the shanty can know that there is one who justifies. Justifies. So I will call you and I will ask you to give of your time in acts of kindness. Locally and going on trips to minister globally. To give of your money the very best you can. And every dollar that we raise above the tithe. 50% of it will go to the global. 50% will go to the local. Strategic urgent spiritual need, and we will rejoice in many being justified, being brought out of sin like Rahab into the family of God like Rahab, and made useful in the kingdom of God like Rahab, like me, like you. That's what we're about. In the last part of this message, here's what I wish. I wish I could do this part Of the message, just one on one, where I can just sit down with you and look at you and talk with you. And I I would ask this question Are you in right standing with God? Do you know you are right before God? I don't want this to sound preachy. I wish I could sit down and talk with you and ask. So you could see me up close and, and sense the sincerity and see it where I would say, do you know you are right before God? For you see, justification starts with Christ. He is the basis. Grace is the basis. I mean, here we are, unrighteous. How will we be declared Righteous. We have to have someone who will come and have that righteous stand for us. Someone has to live a life that we have been unable to live, then turn and die a death that we deserve, so that we might receive righteousness, have it imputed, have it transferred. Grace is the merit of another. Not of works of righteousness which we have done, lest any would boast. But the gift of God, if, if I say, do, do you know you're right before God? If you started by saying, yes, because I. Then, then you're either not right before God or you're confused on the message of grace. Because it doesn't start with anything we've done. It starts with Him. It's all about what Christ has done let me, let me share with you an illustration because I think it helps us I would like for this to be a, seen as a ledger and let's call it our ledger over here is the ledger of a very wealthy man how many of you in this room have a car payment I do how many of you have a house payment I do So let's imagine that I would say to you today, there's this wealthy man here at the church. And for all of you here today, he is going to pay off your house note. He is going to pay off your car note. He is going to pay off every single debt you have. When you walk out of these doors, you will be debt free. Two things would happen. Praise And next Sunday, it would be standing room only. (laughs) In the event that the wealthy man was back. Talk about growing a church. So in order for that to happen, here we have our our house note, our car note, and then all of our other notes. And we're going to transfer them over to the wealthy man. And then the wealthy man is going to go to the person holding the paper, holding the note of our debt. And the wealthy man is going to pay. And then the creditor is going to turn and credit to you and to me as the debt being paid in full. It's going to appear... That we have done something when we've not done a thing, but hand the wealthy man all of our debt. And he did it all. He paid the debt, but yet his actions were credited to us. You following the example? Sure you are. Let's go from a house note to sin debt. Our sin debt... Let's go from just a wealthy man to Jesus Christ. And we transfer all of our sin debt that we could never pay over to Jesus. Jesus then goes to the cross. By living the life we cannot live, by dying the death we deserve, he then satisfies the justice of God. Someday I'm going to have a pen that writes. The justice uh, of God, and it will be credited to our account. Here, the one who knew no sin became sin. That satisfied the justice of God that we might become the righteousness of God. We tracking? Because if we are, that's like really good news. It would be likened to leaving here with no house debt or car debt or any debt and it's all the merits of the wealthy man and yet it's credited to us. You can leave here today knowing that you are free, you are liberated, you're no longer guilty, you no longer have to live under the pressure of the past. The label that has followed you is now broken just as Rahab the prostitute was delivered and became Rahab in the very lineage of Jesus, you leave with a whole new life, a whole new purpose, because the one who knew no sin became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Well, let's keep working. it. We have this word justification that comes across as like a legal term. So let's let's move into like this church it incorporated years ago and in order to incorporate we had to create a constitution and bylaw. And those bylaws of the constitution govern give perimeters through which we function as a corporation, not as a church but as a corporation it satisfies The law. So when you read that Constitution, you will find whereas, dot, 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 be it therefore resolved. And whatever we resolved was was made possible by the strength of the whereas. Now let me illustrate. Some months ago, we purchased 55 acres. So we had to have a church meeting. And here's here's the approach. Whereas there is a 55-acre plot of ground very conveniently located to this campus, and whereas the 55 acres offers many opportunities to fulfill the core values of our vision, and whereas it has two football fields under lights, and six baseball fields. It will serve as a tremendous blessing to our Christian school that has no home field for football or baseball. And whereas in the years to come, we can open it as a part to the tens of thousands in the community. And whereas the price we're going to pay is less than half of what it's worth, therefore be it resolved that we purchase the park. And the strength of the therefore was because of the strength of the whereas. The stronger the whereas, the clearer and more immediate the action to take on the therefore. We tracking? Whereas you and I had a sin debt that we couldn't pay. And whereas we were to live a life we couldn't live. And whereas we were without hope in this world. Whereas we were children of wrath and followed our own disobedience. Whereas the light was not shining in our hearts and we had all suffered the fall of man going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And whereas we not only needed deliverance from an eternal home in hell to an eternal home in heaven. And whereas we not only wanted an eternal home in heaven, but we wanted friendship with God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the word and the purpose of this one and only life. And whereas it is only by the blood of Jesus that a sinner can be made free. And whereas it is God's will that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And whereas we were once dead in trespass and sin, but by grace we have been made alive. Whereas it is by the blood of Jesus that we are brought near. Whereas Jesus took all of our debt and went to the cross and satisfied the justice of God. Therefore, we are made right with God. Therefore, we are justified by faith and we have peace with God. Whereas Jesus paid it all, therefore all to him I owe. One writer said it like this, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. So if I could sit with you one-on-one, I would walk you through this incredible gift of God. And all you have to do is believe. But then, knowing that grace is the basis, Faith is the means. Don't miss this. This is what James is telling us. That Rahab could not have changed her life, broken the label of prostitution that had followed her. Only God could do that. Only God could count her as righteous and impute righteousness to her. But because God did that, she then turns and expresses that faith without hesitation or reservation and does everything she can to advance the gospel. Faith is moving off of self-reliance to trust, submission, just saying, God, you are God and I am not. It's nothing I can do. The word says we are justified by faith and because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Faith in God. Faith in the grace of God. Now watch this, grace is the basis, faith is the means, and works are the evidence. Because James has taught us that faith bears fruit. It's just impossible to have this transaction in your life and then to sit idle when you could respond to need. Here's what James is saying. You're not saved by works. But if this could happen in your life and you sit and do nothing with a world of need all around you, then you need to ask, did that really happen? See, that's the message of James. Paul is very clear. We are not saved by works. It is by grace through faith, just faith in Jesus. That's right. And James says, and if that's happened, you're going to be very busy in the kingdom of God. Because that is the natural overflow of this incredible grace. That is why on December 6th, I don't pledge because the pastors just won't preach anything else until we finally pledge. And and I don't pledge because I feel guilty. And I don't have an attitude that all the church wants is money. No. I just realize everything that I am is because of grace. Where would I be but for the grace of God? And now there are people sitting on sofas in this community that don't know Jesus. There are people in shanties that don't know Jesus. And I can be part of an effort that can minister to both. I'm in. I'm in gladly, joyfully. Do we need to wait till the sixth? See, because this grace is just waiting to be released. I'm looking for the opportunity. I'm gonna make the most of every opportunity. That's why I'm saying that mercy is waiting to be released like a, a a veritable ocean out of this church. Hallelujah. And now remember this, that one day we are going to stand at the judgment seat. The judgment seat of God. That's a poor expression of a chair. But it'll work for now. And we're going to all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And here will be the way we're judged. Grace, faith, works. Exactly what James is showing us here in chapter 2 is exactly what Paul talks about in Corinthians when he says, We will all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And it will be rewarded unto each man according to what he has done. You're not given entrance into heaven because of what you've done. No, because our works are not the basis. Grace is the basis. Our works are the backdrop. That because I'm standing there on the basis of grace, then will be the declaration of a life lived in sacrifice, submission, and servanthood that resulted in a lot of fruit and a lot of harvest coming up in the kingdom of God. And I will be rewarded with what I have done out of the faith I received. So, my prayer is that on Judgment day, it would be the best day of our lives. And I think one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to try and pastor in such a way that that is the best day of your life so that you stand before God and you know you're washed in the blood. You know it's only by grace that you're even standing there. But because of that incredible grace, you responded and said, Lord, inconvenience me. Lord, you are welcome to everything that I have, everything that I am so that one more person, one more person can hear about justification from the sofa to the shanty, Lord, whatever role my life can have in the multitude knowing this message of justification, being added to your family and given a life of purpose, Lord, gladly, gladly, and I stand before God and I'm rewarded according to the things I have done. Grace, or you wouldn't even be at the judgment seat, Faith, because you've put your trust in the grace of God. You're justified by faith and you have peace with God, so you're standing at the judgment. Works. So that when the Spirit's fire tries your works, it says there's going to be two groups of people. Those who served out of the right heart, a heart of grace. And so when the fire hits that work of your life, it's purified. And it becomes part of the crown that you will place at Jesus' feet, or it's like hay, wood, and stubble, and when the fire hits it, it's consumed. So, see, you're not, you're not gonna be given entrance into heaven because you work your way there. No way. But your rewards, your rewards. And so I pray that the reward is not the motivation, I pray that guilt is not the motivation. I just pray that we would be motivated by the fact that we've been brought out of darkness into light. Amen.